Welcome down to Six Zero Football Academy. Uh, we are rolling here on Savage and Average episode five. My man Mark Schlereth is in the house. Uh, Stink, it is so good to have you back on the show. You've, you've right. done podcasts with me going back years now. Uh, it's always great to have you on before the season and talk ball. Uh, remember, you can follow us here on TikTok Live. We're rolling uh, all day at Six Zero Academy underscore sixty. The Twitter, the Instagram pages. Uh, at Sixer Academy, follow all the kids and all the content. Uh, the YouTube page and the CoachTube page are both up, okay? So you, we're going to have this, this one on YouTube today as well, so you can go watch us and, and, and also listen to the show. But then also the CoachTube, uh, we're going to be posting all of those things. Go to CoachTube, uh, search Sixer Academy, you see all the film work we do in the lab. Uh, and we're going to be posting a bunch of technique work and how to, all the different frames of double teaming and cap blocking and gang calls and squeeze gaps and everything else that you're trying to learn here uh, when you log on to the Coach 2 page for Six Zero Football Academy. So, once again, <clears throat> I'm your host, Matt McChesney. That is the legend, Mark Schlereth. You hear him every morning on 104.3 The Fan. Uh, that's my regular drive-in uh, to get my, my dose of, uh, you know, everything sports-related. So, Mark, welcome to the show, brother. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, it's always Man, a it's always, great year, it's, right? it's always a pleasure, and it's, it's funny. It's always funny because... Uh, as you know, well, because you do it, um, occasionally I'll say something and, and I get a text from you like, oh, yes, that's yes. exactly, you know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, th- those are always those are always fun to get as uh, as you're driving to work. Uh, um, and I appreciate what you do here with all the kids because, um, as I always say, you know, this is the most skilled position in all football. 100%. And, and it, there is no question. And so, uh, you know, I always joke around with people. Like, I've seen, you know, I've seen – DBs. I've seen a corner transition to safety, safety transition to linebacker, linebacker transition to DN, you know, a DN transition to D tackle, a, a D tackle transition to O line. Your, your transition from O line is fan. Once you, you like O line, you don't go <laughs> oh, over the defensive side of the O line yeah. coach. O line <laughs> fan. Like that's how it works. And so, um, but I always tell people, I always blow their mind with this. You name one other sport, one other position, one other situation where two athletes line up against each other and the lesser of the athletes, which is the O-line, the lesser of the athletes is expected to win 100% of the battles. And if he gives up one sack, he sucks. And the better athlete that gets that sack goes to the Pro Bowl. I'm so glad you brought this up. So, look. It, it drive, by the way, it just drives me nuts. Like, I, like the skill involved in playing the game up front is more than any other skill in football as far as I'm concerned. And not only that, the cognitive. And I, I changed positions in the NFL, as you know. Mm-hmm. I played my whole rookie year for the great Herm Edwards at New York. I was a, a zero technique, essentially, all year. I was backing up Dwayne Robinson and four-eye under Shane Ellis and – regains with John Abraham and we weren't very good we lost Chad Pennington earlier in the year and because of that I got off practice squad and got in a lot of games it was awesome my the end of my second training camp they brought me in and they sat me down Bill Callahan had gotten the job as the O-line coach mm-hmm. and they looked at me and said do you want to play defense or do you want a job and I said I guess I'll play I'll go with the job right they moved me to garden center and Bill looked at me and said now you know the snap count He's like, I'm going to teach you everything about the game. Start coming in at 6 a.m. and I'll tutor you every morning. And the tutoring I got from that man three days a week for an entire football season. Right. It's why I'm so good in here. It's the same paperwork he gave me, just a very condensed version. Package all this together, play fast, 
communicate and articulate, and you're going to be really successful. So I'm so glad you brought that up. This morning, the 11 o'clock group, it's full of Division One players. Zach Henney's committed to Washington. we got a bunch of dudes in here, good high school players that are all going to play. And we got a couple of new defensive linemen in. So I always tell them, like, we play 100 snaps, right? Mm-hmm. As a defensive lineman, I win two of those. Really only win two. But one of them's a huge TFL on third down, get you off the field. And the other one's a strip sack fumble that old boy picks up and takes for six. And we win 17-13. Well, I'm the best player on the field, and I graded out at like 2%, but they're two big stars. Right. <clears throat> Offensively, you just played 100. You graded out at 98%, but the two you gave up are a TFL on third down and a strip sack fumble that a whole boy picked up and right. took back for six, and we lost 17-13. Well, I just graded out at 98%, now I'm the worst player on the field. And everyone's criticizing that. So I, I, the fact that I got to do both in the NFL and see the dichotomy of both, right. how they talk about things in the defensive room compared to the offensive room, right. how much right. guys in the defensive room are really expected to know as opposed to knowing everything and mm-hmm. really playing the chess game instead of the checkers game. Right. So, look, let's just get into this full circle. Kyler Murray <clears throat> gets this huge contract. There's mandated study time in it. Lamar Jackson's up for contract. Okay, you've got a bunch of guys that are super athletic, Super freaks, I call them. They're impossible mm-hmm. to deal with. It's 11 on 11 football all the time. And not trying to be disrespectful in any way, shape, or form, but the statue quarterbacks, the Bradys, the Mannings, Drew Brees was even a statue to a point, even though he was short stature. Mm-hmm. They, they are cognitive at another level, as you know, right. knowing all of them personally, covering them all. At what point are the the super freak quarterbacks going to start acting like they are statues and preparing mentally like those guys do. How good would Michael Vick, Vick be if right, right. he prepared like Peyton well, Manning did? It, it, it's a great, it's great. And I, and like, I don't know the preparation skills or the preparation time of Kyler Murray. Obviously, if it was great, he wouldn't have a clause in his contract. Have you that ever says, even heard of anything? No, like that? that you got to study for four hours a week. I mean, <laughs> No. Really? Like I, I was telling, I was telling Trey Wingo the other day, is a good friend of mine from ESPN. I go, my wife for six years that I played in Denver, you know, you check into the the team hotel on a Saturday night before you play a home game, right? And my wife thought that I had to check in at one o'clock in the afternoon on Saturdays <laughs> for six years, and and my first meeting wasn't until six o'clock and that wasn't even an official meeting that was us as o-linemen getting together getting before dinner before before our seven thirty or yeah seven thirty meeting so we'd all show up around it was six o'clock meeting so we'd all show up around five thirty we'd watch film together our last film session together because i'm a big believer in you know uh, four eyes are better than two, and eight eyes are better than four, and Amen. sixteen eyes are better than eight. Right? If we're all wrong together. Right. We're all right. Right. So we always, you know, we always <clears throat> studied it that way together. But I showed up at one o'clock in the afternoon, and I went through every play in the playbook. So we get a, you know, a nineteen handoff, and I'm playing left guard. I'm going okay. I got a one technique, so I'm bubbled. If I've got a two eye technique, if I've got a two technique, if I've got a three technique, if I've got a four eye technique, if we've got a five technique, like what? Like what is my responsibility? This is the footwork I want to take. This is the hand placement I want to have. This is what. And what if I get a shift late? This is how I'm going to adjust to it. This is where I want my feet to hit. 
And, you know, I have this rhythm in my head of what my feet sound like on every play. So for me, like I'm coming off the ball, you know, and I'm on a wide hand. If I want, I want my feet to sound that way. So I'd walk through I mean, this. Didn't you say you used to put tape down? Like tape right down where, you where I'm going to hit and where my feet are going to hit. <clears throat> and I would literally go through every play in the playbook. And so come Sunday, when something would happen or I'd get a, a, a crappy look, it didn't matter. When Cor- I, Cortez Kennedy went from a two-eye right. to a three technique at the last moment. At the last second, I already knew. what what I, I'd already gone through it in my head. I've already played the game in my head, in my room, from 1 o'clock in the afternoon till I went to that meeting at 5.30. And, and that was, that's, for me, that was every Saturday. On the plane, when we we're traveling out to where we we're going, I didn't sit and play cards. I didn't do I went through my, I, I did the same thing sitting on the plane the whole trip. So, you know, preparation is incredibly important. And I have never heard of a quarterback clause. Uh, or clause at any position where you owe me four hours of independent study. A week. Shoot, four hours of independent study. I mean, that's the, that's an hour that, day. Well, yeah, that's the, that's <laughs> before I get in on a Wednesday. I've got four hours of independent study. What? So it, it just is. It's, I'm dumbfounded. Right, I am too. It's <clears throat> it's insane, um, and the fact that one, you had to put this clause in as an organization. Two, that you're okay signing it. Um, it's it's a really bad look. It's a terrible look for Kyler Murray. Terrible. It's a terrible look for the Arizona Cardinals. Imagine if they struggle. Right. They're going to have struggles, so right. they're going to get but chopped up like when here, they start struggling. Here's the deal with, and you <clears> mentioned <throat> Michael Vick, and I've had this conversation with Michael Vick. The problem, and this is just years of, of covering this, the problem with the guys who are gifted athletes that play that position is when they were young, before you really started studying, before you really started using, you know, the above the neck. So that game, like a lot of our game as offensive linemen are played, is a played above the neck. It's just, the it just is, right. Defensive linemen, and I played, I played defense all through college, right? I didn't, I didn't move to offense until my last year of college. So I played defensive line, played nose guard, played you know, DN, I played outside linebacker. I, I played all those positions. So uh, you, you're, you're, you're most of what you're doing is below the neck, right? It's relying on athleticism. Yep. Chasing. And, right. And, and reacting and, and just going. So for those quarterbacks that are gifted athletes, they develop what I think is a, a default mechanism, which is when things break down, rely on my gift. And that's athleticism. And it, and it's Hard to break that. Can't blame them for it. Right. It's I what, wish I could move right, like that. Right. It's what they've always known. And so it becomes one of those things, well, this is how I get out of trouble. You know, this is how I fight my battles. I just take off and I make something happen. And for the most part, that's great. Um, but then you get to this level and you you cannot live. And you know this. You, you played offense. I always call it the 70-30 rule. 70% of the time as an offense, we need to be on schedule, right? We need to run a play on first down, and it's all of a sudden second down and six. Then we run a play, and it's third down and two. And now the whole playbook is open to us. And we can say, okay, what are we going to do now? Okay, we can, we can run it. We can you know, run our nickel runs. We can run our base runs. We can run our base passes. We can run a play action. We can do whatever we want. And the, as a defense, you have, to, you have to respect it. You've got to respect everything in our playbook. 
So 70% of the time, I've got to be on schedule. 30% of the time, stuff's going to break down. It's just the way it works. Now we've got to make a play. Well, the pocket guys play from here, from, from the neck up, right? They understand that. Um, the other guys just don't, and it's unsustainable. So I watch Kyler Murray, and, and I've been covering, you know, for Fox doing games. I've done a bunch of Arizona games. I, I did his first start, his first ever start in Arizona against the Detroit Lions. And it, it went into overtime. I think it was a tie. I think they finished in a tie in overtime his rookie year. But the bottom line for me in regards, in, in regards to Kyler Murray is your offense isn't 70-30. Your offense is more 50-50. 50% you're off schedule. Well, guess what? It's exciting when you make that big play. It's that exciting, looks awesome. right? But now, think back to last year. After seven weeks, after eight weeks, whatever it was, that guy was a leading candidate for MVP. Oh, yeah. When, then, and when Hopkins right. went down, When Hopkins changed. went down and he, and he twisted his ankle and missed yep, a couple that's games. That's right. He did get hurt. Right. He twisted his ankle, missed a couple games. Remember, Colt McCoy came in, orchestrated the offense, so it was, and, they, and they were winning. Um you know, he comes back and he's not, he doesn't quite have the same wiggle, doesn't have the same escapability. He doesn't have D hop, right? And now what happens? You play that 50 50 off schedule game and you're going to lose instead of win those games. The other thing is, you get to the playoffs, you know how this is. You get November and all of a sudden it's crappy weather and everything else. You better be on schedule. And that's all the third time they're playing the Rams. Right. The Rams are just chopping them up. Like, we've yes. seen everything you're going to do multiple times. So you you really need to, <clears throat> if you're Lamar Jackson, if you're Kyler Murray, it's you you constantly need to be progressing your game. And you want to stick in the league for a long time? You better understand, especially on the offensive side, as you lose athleticism and you lose recoverability, that's where you have to gain in knowledge of the game. Um, you know, I got to the point because of my injury issues, I, I just could no longer recover. So it was imperative for me never get in a bad position. I could never be in a bad position. I could never take a faulty step. I, can, I couldn't do that because I, couldn't, I didn't have the ability to recover anymore. So you have to play the game that way if you want to stick around for a long time. And, you know, I got to the point where in my career here, when I left Washington, came to Denver, I like I you know you know the three step drops because they're going to call them right right, but and you know the seven step drops um, and, and well people don't differentiate sometimes between the five steppers and the seven steppers because it, it, it it's it's two jet well two jet like what tells me if I'm going two jet which is a turn week in the West Coast offense what tells me if it's a five step drop or if it's a seven step drop or if it's a five step drop that has a hitch. Or a five-step drop that has two hitches. Or a seven-step drop that has a hitch. Like, what tells me the difference? It's going to change your set pattern, too. So right, that's more what, aggressive. Right, that's what I'm saying. So if I, get, if, I get, if I get a two-jet all-go, I know that quarterback hits his fifth step. There is no hitch in that. He's got he's to be out gone. of his hand. Ball's got to be gone because the receivers can outrun the quarterback's arm. So I know now all of a sudden I get a five-step drop, drop call, and I run block a defensive lineman. And so he's defending the run, and then he's like, what are you doing? Like, you can't do – like, wait, time out. You can't do that. Oh, yeah, jump, I can. Just jump something the hell out of him. Just like this, coming off the ball on him. And because I know even if I whiff, he's not getting to my quarterback. So now it's what I always – when I consult with NFL teams now, I'm like, one of the things you have to do as a coaching staff is you've got to take the passive out of pass protection. Allow me to set the tone. Allow me to be the aggressor. 
And you do that through play calling, but you also do that through intelligence of your guys knowing when they can upkick a, up a play, when they can jump set a play, when they can like essentially run block a play. When you have help. Right, where your help is and how to, and how to I used to call it funneling guys or vicing guys, you know. Make them go where you want them to go. Make them, make them fall into the trap. You know, you set the trap. So, you know, if we got turn away, three jet, I'm one-on-one, but I know I got halfback burst. Well, guess what I know about halfback burst? I know the H-back's coming through the B-gap. So even if I get a wide technique, I'm going to inside set him. If I inside set him, I take that away, and I got a wide technique, a wide three over me, where is he going to go? He's going to the B-gap 100% of the time. He, he's, he, I, mean, I play defense. I know. It's like, oh, wide open. Ah, here I go. Well, now all of a sudden he meets my running back in the hole. I haven't even touched him, and I blocked him. I get a one. I get a. I get a plus one on my grade sheet, right? I blocked him without touching him because I said I'm going to take away the inside. I'm going to force you to go outside, and now I know my running back has got to come through there. He, that's his responsibility. He has to. So guess what? I didn't even touch you when I blocked you. So what about Lamar Jackson then? Moving into this now contract for him, he's next. Right. These contracts. I'm not going to say they're ridiculous. Good for them. I mean, it, they, they should be thanking the vets that, that came before them because mm-hmm. the, the table was set. You know, each, sure. each generation makes more. The next generation is going to be making $70 million, you right. know, like just right off the bat before we know it. So Lamar Jackson, you know, won an MVP, lost in the playoffs, mm-hmm. got a little dinged up, weren't very good last year. We had Derek Wolf on last week. Derek was raving about his work ethic and his leadership and things mm-hmm. of that nature. And I have no doubt that his teammates love him. Right. Um, he's electrifying, no doubt. I I would be really weary of paying him this kind of bread. Right. I'm I'm weary of paying Kyler Murray this kind of bread. Like, at some point, are they going to start looking at quarterbacks like they do running backs? Like they're just they become expendable after a certain period of time when you think you've gotten the best of them. Well, I think I think if you don't progress and you don't grow as a pocket passer like all the rules are bent for you to have success all the rules from the pocket right from the pocket all the rules are created to protect you uh the nfl understands the asset that is the nfl quarterback right when you leave the pocket those rules are negated you're going they can go they can go pop you the 100 percent, and they do yeah and so you know part of the progression for lamar is lamar is he's got great football acumen um, I've done a bunch of Baltimore games. I've You're met smart with him. Dude. Yeah, yeah, I've met with him a bunch of times. He's got great football acumen. He really under- he understands that aspect of the game. But again, you're 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 having to overcome your initial instinct. It becomes instinct. And the thing about instinct is it's it's hard to break instinct, right? It just is. And so because you've always been so blessed athletically. Like when things break down, Lamar take Lamar goes takes off, right? And he just knows that. I mean, I've done games where Lamar, it's like it's like a a senior varsity player versus freshman C team players. <laughs> it is like these guys are in the NFL, and he makes them look silly. He's incredible, but you have to understand the other thing that he doesn't get a lot, or he hasn't gotten a lot of. When you run the ball the way they run the ball. Out of you know two tights and a fullback Patrick and a running back at twenty-two personnel and you know and twelve personnel that they've got like literally I was standing I did a game last year and I was standing on the sideline during practice and every one of their tight ends including their practice squad guys 
They're all 6'6". Monsters. They're all 275. I mean, Patrick Ricard, how big is Patrick Ricard, bro? Patrick is... Patrick is legit 6'4". Like 3'10". 313. He can run. And fullback. Right. <laughs> and let me just tell you, like six-pack and yoke. I mean, it's like... like Good that Lord. Dude is bigger than I ever was as a guard. Like, he... It's ridiculous. And every one of them, they were all standing there. And so I walked up. I walked up, and I was just like, looking at my guys like, I played O-line. Like, these guys are tight ends. It's insane. <laughs> So they get on they get on you with these formations, right? So as a defense, what are you going to do? Well, you've got to play counter with big people, right, bear and right, you know take and, a corner off the field right, or and, something, right? And then you also have to roll a safety in there. So you're well, always hundred percent. You're in. You're Man either coverage. in cover three or one, three or one, right? Hundred percent of the time. Yep. So you know if you're just running vertical routes on the outside, three becomes one, right? They, the, the, it's just a. It's you got to run with them, right? Run you got to run the. the you got to run. going to break one way. There's only one dude, right? And so what ends up happening is, and this is what I say about Lamar and and what they've structured there. So they are so good, you can't you can't practice against all that option stuff that they run. Right, so during the week you don't have pads on, you don't get the fits, right? And then I, I, I'm always, I just find it hilarious. Like we're gonna run on the end, we're gonna run, and you played this, the surf technique. So I want you to squeeze down the tight end, right? Sit and and then just surf. And then force him back. And and, uh, you're supposed to react. Lamar does this. Right? Yeah. Lamar goes, and you go, look at him, and you fall down. Right? When I was in college, I played surf against Vince Young once, Uh and he literally was he bootlegged. And he looked at me when he was running, mm-hmm. and he was laughing. As right. He was running. And yeah. I was like, ah! Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. There's no way I'm catching this cat. Yeah, there's no, no way. way. So, Thank you know, God they, nose tackles don't have to surf. But you don't, you, don't ever, yeah, you, don't ever get the, you don't ever get a real feel for it, right? And so what ends up happening to you is, is you kick the ball off to them. They cram it down your throat. It takes 12 plays. It takes nine minutes. They score a touchdown. You're 7 nothing. You're down to fresh. Somewhere, right? Defense fresh. They kick off to you. And Wink Martindale, who was their D coordinator forever, he He's runs. Remember, I love Wink. Right. He's Wink, awesome. Wink will run a, a, some type of blitz on first down. They'll get you in the backfield. It's second down and 12. You're behind the chains. They force you to punt. They take the ball. They drive down. They kick a field goal. And they kick off to you. You take one snap, right, one snap, and the quarter ends. And so you've had, <laughs> you've had literally one possession and one snap. And it's the second quarter. Now your offensive coordinator is like, holy sh, you know, he's like, 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 holy shit. Right. Like, we're in trouble, right? So now your offensive coordinator throws the game plan out the window. We can't run it anymore. We're going to throw it every down. We got like, and so they get you in that game. Well, the issue is, is all of a sudden you kick off to them, they drive it down and they score in the playoffs, right? No, I'm talking about the opposite. You like oh, Baltimore yeah. okay. kicks off and then they drive down and score. And then, you know, and, and, and they, they end up getting up on you. Well, now you know what you see? You don't see one or three. You don't see. They're like, hey, man, you're not going to be able, like, you're not going to be able to, to beat us just running the football. And so now you're seeing the coverages, the variations of coverages. You're seeing instead of one-on-one throws, you know, to the outside or the skinny slants away from the safety, now what you're seeing is you're seeing multiple zone coverages Brackets. where you've got to, right, and yeah. you've got to be able to layer it over underneath coverage in front of a safety. You know, you've got to make those layered type of throws. And, and because of what they see almost exclusively, 
because they're always playing with the lead. Now all of a sudden you get to the playoffs and you're playing better teams, and now usually the second or third right. time too. That's right. the thing. And now all of a sudden, man. So that's early that's, season right. success with these guys is paramount. Late season decline, right, is something that has happened and continues and, and to happen. Needs, and, and let me just say, he needs to he needs to grow in that aspect of his game. Um, so you know the people that are critical and saying, well, I don't, you know, he doesn't, he's not a polished enough passer in the pocket and all that. Yeah, you're right, 100%. They're still winning a lot of games. Oh, they're, but when they're healthy, they're pretty damn good. Right, but there is, there is, there's got to be a concern if you're the Ravens to say, if we put this, invest this much money in him, can he actually become more of a pocket guy? And how long can we, yeah, you know, like how long can we trust that he's going to stay healthy? He had several issues last year. Now Bad. the whole team did. Yeah, but he had like. He had COVID, I think, twice in, in last year, going into camp and coming out of camp. He had twice. So, like, he had lost some strength. He had lost, you know, like 10, 12 pounds. And um, I did a game probably in October, late October, early November, in Baltimore. And John Harbaugh was like, he's still, he's still 10 pounds light. He still doesn't have his, all his strength. He still doesn't have all his stuff yet. Well, I hope he's healthy next year. Because I do, too. I feel like if Baltimore's healthy, they have a real shot in that division, even with the emergence of Cincinnati. Pittsburgh's always good. Cleveland, I think football karma is going to bite Cleveland in the ass, to say the least, this year. Mm. So, All right, so let's uh, let's move on here to more football as a whole and talk about our Denver Broncos, of course. Uh, the Bronco Talk here is going to be brought to you by our good friends at Rico's Burritos. Make sure you go check them out. These are bomb. I am constantly eating them. We don't have any more left. Bring me more burritos, Rick. My man, I need more burritos, okay? So check these out. Uh, we'll be tagging them on the uh, on the, on the uh, the posts and whatnot. So check out Rico's Burritos. My boys love them uh, for all the breakfast burritos and things of that nature. And put some of that stinking good uh, green chili there on it too. Because yeah. that, that, that stuff, I just I dip like tacos, burritos. I just douse all the enchiladas that we make at the house and stinking good. So check it all out. All right, so moving on here, Mark. Um... Denver Broncos, okay, they opened camp yesterday. Today's a, you know, T-shirt day and helmets. Mm. I'm going out there tomorrow. I'm going to be uh, sitting in on 92.5 again tomorrow uh, for, for four hours with Dover and Scott Hastings and whatnot. And hopefully they're in pads. you think they'll be in pads tomorrow? Because that no. would be dope. Damn it. No, they're not. I, I think they're not <laughs> going to pads until maybe Saturday. That's smart. Um, so, offensive line, competition number one. Right. Okay. Look, Garrett Bowles is the left tackle. That's solidified. Mm -hmm. Is Billy Turner the right tackle if he's healthy? Yeah, right. I, you know I work with Billy. He's one of my guys. Mm -hmm. I'm, I didn't understand when they got rid of him. I'm glad they brought him back. I think you could, you probably missed maybe the right. best four years of his career when he went to Green Bay. Yeah. He could have been here playing the right tackle the whole time. Uh, but things happen for a reason. And then the interior three, brother, uh, your wheelhouse, my wheelhouse, Who's going to be the center? Can Glasgow play that position? Can Quinn, uh, you know, uh, uh, Reisner, and and Moody are both guys that I work with in here. I work I work with with Moot a lot more than I work with Dalton. He's uh -huh. working a lot more than Dalton is, in my personal opinion, right. uh, from an off season perspective, from from my vision point. Yeah, not saying Dalton's not working. That's not what I'm trying to say. At the same time, though, he's pushing his ass for reps. Mm -hmm. And it's openly being talked about. Right. So, 
Yeah. Give me, give me your two cents on this, Master. Well, I think that I think that going back to Billy Turner and um, and I wasn't when he was here. I wasn't a huge Billy Turner fan. Uh, I have become a much bigger Billy Turner fan. I think he's become a much a much more accomplished football player. Very polished these days. And you know, I talked to Hackett about this and and just raved about his intelligence. Um, you know, and and I think Billy Turner probably you know uh, probably you could you've worked with him. Probably from a physical standpoint, a strength standpoint, probably is not the strongest dude. Oh no, he he's a finesse tackle, right? And he'll be the first one to tell you he's winning with quickness, with smarts. He's got crazy length, right? But he's not going to line up and Lane he's, Johnson, right? He's, he's not going to line he's up. He's not going to Trent Williams, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's that's who he is. But I was so impressed last year watching him with the Packers play it at. You know, play at right guard. He's got great, or excuse me, right right tackle. Right. He's got great recoverability. So, I mean, he does, when he gets in trouble, when we all get in trouble, he's got the ability to get himself out of trouble. Plays multiple positions, too. That's right. the thing I love he's, about him so much. He started left tackle for a while when Bakhtiari went yep. down. I've seen him start at right guard, playing every position, you know, with, with equal finesse and, and equal, just equal excellence. So... Like he's a dude that is a an incredibly valuable player, um, even if he's not starting, simply because he can back up so many positions. But I think ultimately he'll probably be your right tackle when when I healthy. I guess that yeah. Um, Five million bucks one year. Hackett brought him here. Right. They're really close. Yeah, I, I see that so, happening. Yeah, so do I. I. I think the the inside three is a, a big question for me because. Um, yeah, there he is. My guy right there. Right. So I think the inside three is a big question. You know, we'll, like Quinn Miners, I think, is going to get an opportunity to be the starter at the, at the right tackle or right guard position. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I think that understanding where Glasgow came from in Detroit and, and knowing Hank Fraley, who used to coach him. I know Hank, um, good guy. Yeah, Hank's good a good coach. dude. And, you know, Hank could tell you, you know, Glasgow is never going to win pretty, but he's always going to win. And he was healthy all through Detroit, too. Yeah. He's just caught the bug right here. Right. And I feel bad for him, man. That sucks. Oh, yeah, it does. And he's, a like, a very smart guy. So even if, like, even if I'd like to see him get a bunch of reps at center, because I have talked to people in Detroit that think that he's a better center than he is a guard. And he was a good guard. I'd love to see him at center. Yeah. And, look, I, I think Lloyd is a great player. He's a physical specimen, but there's too many circumstances. Look, I know a lot of this is Drew Locke, too, but last year when they went to Vegas, might have been the year before, and there was, yeah, it was the year before, and no one was there. It's empty, and Vegas kept lining up with, like, under Sam Stack, and it, they, the Broncos kept trying to block it like it was bare, mm-hmm. and they were bringing the Sam and a strong safety, and we weren't, we weren't full sliding, we weren't setting the back over there. We weren't throwing hot off of it. Right. And they were just running off and just crushing Locke. Well, Lloyd's the center. At some point, you have to see that too. Right. I just feel like there's too many missed calls not to have competition there. And if 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 Graham is a vet and he can do it, I'd much rather have him on the field than maybe backing up one of the guard positions, making all that bread. Yeah. Yeah. I, I You know, that's... Being able to being able to adjust and change protections, and I don't know how much Hackett puts on Russell Wilson versus, as opposed to the center, right? As right. opposed to the offensive line, I'm a big believer in letting in taking that off the quarterback's plate and letting the O line 
upset those unless you know you're in a critical situation and and you want to you you want to cheat the protection or change the protection then you've got the override power as a quarterback but let us set it um and and here's what ends up happening to you you know the quarterbacks and i see it all the time in calling games the quarterbacks that have complete control and under control they're always looking 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 waiting right and then they say okay i want to adjust this protection so i'm going to re-identify the mic and we're going to change you know the r slider we're going to do whatever right and so they're like okay yeah, there's about eight seconds left. Hey, uh, and we're hurry, hurry, and, hurry. Right, and then they're like, then they're like, uh, no, no, not 54. 49 is my 49. Yeah. And there's no, you know, you and can't. The, and you, the pass rushers are looking at the play clock. Too, right. So yeah. Like, and everybody's getting, everybody's getting off the ball, and you haven't had time to, you know, haven't had time to communicate as a group, and and so things. The, the correlation between both is really the key. The right. synergy between being able to walk and go, hey, under, 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 nickel, nickel, four for three, 27 is the mic. And then have the quarterback go up, and he heard all that, and make his calls, and we're snapping the ball with 18 seconds. Right. Left. Yeah. So, I, I just see so many times where the quarterback has the ultimate override authority, or the ultimate, you, you're going to get up and call it. You know, kind of what we used to call point protection. Like he's just going to decide where we're going. That's the guy. Yeah. Um, and and ultimately, I see so many times where he snaps the ball before we've had a chance to. Talk about what we're going to do up front, right? And it's just a bad situation. So, um, my thing with Lloyd though is is more about is is physical as he seems to be. He doesn't play that way all, as often as I'd He's like. Not to mauling see him. people the right. way he should. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. Um, and then you know you you've worked with Reisner. I just Reisner um, has been okay. It just like I thought as a rookie, he was pretty he was good, trending the right way. I did too, and I just have not thought that he's really taken his game to the next level. And I agree. I think that he's plateaued to a mm-hmm. point, kind of. Right. And look, when you have a coach like Munchak too, you would figure that he would keep getting better and better. He's had some injury stuff, and that always holds you back. But it's no excuse. Right. It's not like it it shelved him or anything. He still played. Um, He's played next to an improved Garrett Bowles. Mm-hmm. I think that he has a little bit to do with that. But Garrett, I've never seen anybody just change the narrative as fast as he did, and I hope that it continues. Yeah, he, so we do I. need it to. Yeah. So Garrett needs to be an All-Pro candidate next year in order for this football team to be ultimately successful, in my opinion. Uh, but Dalton, look, Dalton. If I could give him any advice, and I don't talk to him as much as I used to, I don't work with him as much as I used to, which, which sucks. I, I wish mm-hmm. he was in here. With, you know, Schlotman and Quinn Bay. Quinn Bay, I can't keep Quinn Bailey out of the damn room. Mm-hmm. I know he's like a second and third teamer, but that guy showed out last year against Joey Bosa, and when his opportunity knocked, he was there. Right. And I really hope they give him legit opportunity to be one of the eight or nine they keep because he's, he's a special football player. He's really explosive. Not really the point, but I don't see – I'm not saying he's not doing it again. I'm not questioning his work ethic. I've known the kids since he was 14. I love him. But it, it seems to me that he's not developing at the same rate as some of the other guys. Yeah. And that is concerning to me from a strength perspective. Like, my left guard, I need my left guard to be able to, you know, get out there on, on wide zone and, and move you and be athletic enough to do that. But I also need him to, on power, be able to inside step and just shelf somebody's ass with my left tackle. Yeah. 72 is pretty nasty when you got him when you got a nasty guy inside. So I hope Dalton really takes advantage of this year and takes that next right. step because I'm I, sure it, the Broncos would love right. to pay him and keep him. Yeah, here's the good news is that 
I'm not sure what they look like up front. You know, I'm not sure what it's going to look like. But I'm with you on there's a lot more depth. And competition to me is a good thing. You've like, got to have it in right. order to get the best out of everybody. Yeah. So it's a good thing. And, and so, no one's above criticism or, or competition either. Yeah. No one. Not, not one player. The only Look, Russell Wilson doesn't have competition, but at the same time, I know he's walking in every day knowing that he has to well, get the, better the to keep the, the job. The competition for Russell Wilson is Russell Wilson. Like he's, he's and the next com- contract, yeah, right? He's Validating competing, what yeah, he's, he's competing the, against himself. And his work ethic is insane. His work ethic is insane. His preparation is is ridiculous and uh, yeah uh, quick story for you so i'm doing the first game of the season um 2020 the covid year and it's seattle at atlanta i remember this game right i remember watching it and so yep um you know i'm always looking i'm always interested in hey how do you prepare to do what you do right i want to know kind of your tricks of the trade and i'm always looking for you know, not only to understand you better, but I'm also looking, can I steal anything from you and, and make it part of my routine? Does it make sense? Does Top it help cat me? League, baby. Right. Does it help me work smarter as opposed to harder? So I said, so I, I was asking Russell this, and I go, so what's your, like, what's your preparation like? He goes, oh, okay. So he goes, so we'll get done with this game. He goes, I'll get on the plane and I'll watch your guys' broadcast. Just to listen to what you say, you know, the flow of the game, just to get a feel for <sighs> the game. So I'll watch our offense, you know, I'll watch our offense and I'll watch the game. Then I'll put that away, and while I'm still on the flight, then I'll break down every play on coach's tape of what I did. From the back. Right. So everything, like from, hey, did I get the right call? Did I make the right throw? Was it the right read? My did I hold on the ball? Every right? Is it everything. So I'll break the whole game down. Then we'll land in Seattle. He sleeps three, four hours a night. Then he said, then I'll start working on Monday, and I'll break down, you know, first and tens, uh, second down and five minus, second down and medium, second down and long, third down short, third down medium, third down long, blitzes versus dogs. What are they? And so I go through all that Monday and Tuesday, and then by Tuesday night, I, I compile a 15-page report. It's usually about 15 <laughs> pages on everything I, I saw it. about their defense, and then I hand it to the rest of the offense. You know, I, I handed out that night. I emailed to everybody, or the next morning, I handed out. That's so awesome. And I and to the coaches and everything. This is how I see them. And he goes, then you know, on Wednesday, I do whatever prep I do in the classroom with everybody. But I've already in my mind, I know what this team is. So now I can just go out on the field. Only.